Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. There is peace in Christ. I enjoy that song very much. It's good to have Brother Dick Webster with us. Uh, Brother Webster, um, we've known each other a long time, and uh, nearly all my life. And so, again, pastor of the Liberty Baptist Church in Louisville for 34 years, recently retired, and now the director of the Global, has been, and, and, and now um, serving full-time as the director of the Global Independent Baptist Mission and so I appreciate Brother Webster. Brother Webster preached, I believe, if he did, I believe he preached our first missions conference that we ever had when we first started the church, and preached two or three of them there in the storefront. And I don't know if uh, just been a real blessing to us over the years, and it's good to have him back. Come on, Brother Webster, and preach to us. Well, are you ready for some preaching? I tell you what, I love the Lord, and I'm ready to have church, aren't you? Come on, y'all, y'all want to have some church or not? Don't you love the Lord this morning? I'm telling you, the key to doing missions is I love Jesus. And if you don't, then you're not going to get involved in this. And I'm very thankful that God saved me a long time ago and called me into the ministry. I went to Bible college and couldn't even spell Bible. Uh, I never had a Bible, never owned one, uh, and just didn't know anything about the Lord at all. I went to Bible college, and uh, the first class I was in was called Bibliology. And the professor, now I'd only been saved six months, when I showed up at Bible college. I do not recommend that. And uh, we got to this Bibliology class, and he said, all right, everybody take out a piece of paper and a pencil. We're going to have a test. And I thought, test? You hadn't even told us anything. He said, write all the books of the Bible, spell them right, and get them in the right order. Boy, I bombed that thing like crazy. But I wasn't the only one. Everybody else in the class did too. And by the way, everybody in this class probably would too. Because, man, when you get over in after you get past uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, I'm gone. And Daniel, I got that one. Now, after that, there's enough after Daniel to flunk you, just so you'll know. <laughs> I'm so thankful for all the Lord's done in my life. I'm excited about missions. As preacher said, my last Sunday of pastor of Liberty Baptist Church after 34 and a half years was February the 17th. And... Uh, uh, we in last December, we, I come to the conclusion after much prayer and fasting, uh, I had the conclusion that the Global Independent Baptist Missions has grown to the place where they needed a full-time worker, full-time traveler, full-time go out there and do the job. And so I had two choices. I could either retire and do it myself or I could hire somebody. So I decided I'd retire and do it myself. And uh, I'm telling you, I told my wife after the first month of retirement, I need to go find another church to pastor because this is killing me. And, uh, but we're loving every minute of it, and we praise God for it, and, and uh, we're excited about what God's doing among us. We uh, had four new missionaries this year and uh, had a great debutation school. And uh, my son is now my pastor. You want to think that's funny? Uh, come on, that is funny. If you've ever been in my shoes, that's funny. I've been telling that boy what to do for his whole life, and now he's telling me what to do. You say, what do you do? I just don't do it. Uh, but uh, we have such a great relationship, it doesn't matter. 
And so I'm very thankful for where God has put us. And uh, we're uh, running the missions office physically as well as going out and representing it uh, in a full-time way. And so we're very thankful uh, for your church. Uh, I preacher said I've known him all his life. And he's not kidding. I have known him all his life and loved him every day. And I'm telling you this. Everybody needs to have some friends that's so close that every day when you get in your prayer closet, his name comes up. That's my friends right here. I pray for them every day by name. You got some like that? I hope you do, and I hope you got some that do that for you. So I'm very thankful to be here and excited about what God's doing. And, and uh, I'm telling you, this is much different than the storefront where we started. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And it's awesome. Now, come on, y'all going to have to get with me or this is going to be a long day. Uh, and uh, Okay, let's get right into it. I want you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read the Bible and then we're going to pray. Because we all understand one thing. Nothing's going to happen here unless Jesus does it. All we're going to do is just have a church service unless the Lord meets with us. So if you're able, stand. If you can't, just follow along with me as I read beginning in verse number 27 of Luke chapter 8. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of a city a certain man, which had devils long time. You know what that means, right? He was demon-possessed for a long time. The longer somebody's demon-possessed, the more control. And wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and were driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now I want you to catch the funny here. This is really funny. Don't miss it. He said, And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then uh, went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. Don't send us out in the deep. Make the pigs go with us. Come on, that's funny. Don't send us out in the deep, but put us in the pigs and then we'll all go out in the deep. When they that fed saw... Uh, what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told uh, them by what means he, had, he that was possessed of the devils were healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thy own house, show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went, in, he went his way and published throughout the whole city what, how great things Jesus had done unto him. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be here today. Lord, I just ask you now that you'd fill me with your spirit 
give me the ability to preach your word. And then, Lord, you'd fill these folks that are listening with your spirit that they might hear what you have for them to hear. Lord, we need to hear from heaven. We need the still, small voice to speak to our hearts today and get us ready to do your will and your purpose as far as worldwide missions is concerned. And, Lord, we totally depend upon you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever had one of those days you look back on and say, Whoa, what a day. That's this day in the life of the disciples and the Lord. In chapter 8, verse uh, 11 through 15, the Lord gives us one of the greatest parables in all the Bible. It's a parable about the sower and the seed. Uh, He said the seed is the Word of God, and you sow the seeds out there, and it finds four different kinds of hearts. And I'm going to tell you, every time you preach the Word of God, there's people that have different kind of hearts, whether they're going to receive it or not. You can preach the Word of God all day, every day. Until the heart receives it, it is of no value to that person that's hearing it. And so he gives four different kinds of seed. And he says there's the wayside heart where the Word comes, the devil steals it. Most of the time in our world, the devil steals it before even it gets there because you are distracted. Preacher said this morning, it's really difficult sometimes just to hang in there. You're never going to get anything until you do. you got to stay in touch and in tune. He said not only that, uh, he said there's the rocky heart uh, where the cares of this world. Now, I'm not getting involved in missions because i got too many other things to do. Amen, preacher. And so uh, can you imagine what could be done for missions if everybody that's a member of this church got excited about missions and did what God told them to do? Millions could be raised. But the Bible says there's that heart that has a rocky heart. He said uh, there's the, uh, the thorns where the cares of this world. And then he said there's the good ground. That's what we're looking for this morning. And then the Bible says, after he gave this parable, he talks about the light. You're the light of the world, he said, in verse 16 through 18. And then we have the story of his mother and his brothers. I like this. Uh, they came to see Jesus, and he didn't bring them in. Come on, don't be mean to your mom. He used this as an illustration to help us understand that we are now his family. Aren't you glad to be a part of the family of God? I thank the Lord that he is my uh, family, and so he gives us this. And then this exciting story in verse number 20 through 25 talks about the storm. Now he gets in this boat with his disciples, and he said, catch this, we're going to the other side. Do you think Jesus meant that? Disciples didn't know that. So a storm comes up, he's asleep in the back of the boat, and they go wake him up and say, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to perish. Hey, nodheads, he's in the boat too. But they forgot. What did he say? We're going to the other side. And that means if Jesus said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side, even the boat's plumb full of water, and he has to carry it over on his shoulders. We're going to the other side. So he wakes up and calms the storm and says what he says to these people. Oh... Where is your faith? Has he ever spoke that to you? Now, think about all that they've got to. They finally, after this storm, they get to the land. Woo, how exciting. They're finally on dry ground. Now, I don't know if you've ever been out in a storm uh, when the waves are coming. Uh, I've not been out in the ocean because I don't do that. But I've been out on some lakes when the storms come up and they're blowing in there. I'll be glad. I'm telling you, sometimes I've got off of that boat with my father because he was crazy when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I wanted to kiss the ground. I'm just so glad I'm finally on dry ground. Hallelujah. 
So they're finally they're on dry ground, and all of a sudden they don't no more touch ground, and this crazy man starts chasing after them. Read it. He's naked. He's a lunatic. He's demon possessed, and he's running after them. That'd make your day. Now I don't know where you'd be, but I know one thing for sure: if I was in that crowd, I'd be right behind Jesus. Get him, Lord. Amen. You see, this is a day, amazing day that these disciples had. And if you read your Bible, you're going to find out they had a bunch of those amazing days. And so Jesus says to this crazy man, he says, demons, come out. And as soon as he does, he falls down into the feet of Jesus, this crazy man, this demon-possessed man. And I can just see the disciples. Now, you know, we get brave after things happen. I can see him come out and say, yeah, yeah, we told you. Yeah, come on, that's the truth. I remember one time I was out to knocking on doors and I went to a mobile home park and I knocked on this door and this gigantic guy, gigantic guy, he was 6'7", weighed about 300 pounds, had a big old beard, big old long hair, smelt like he hadn't had a bath in months. <laughs> and I knocked on his door and I said, listen, I just came by to tell you about Jesus. He said, get off my porch and if you ever come back, I'll kill you. So he didn't use that kind of language. But I'm going to tell you, I was taking notes. I said, address. I ain't going to go back and talk to a crazy person like that. Well, on the way out, his wife pulled into the driveway, and I'm walking away, and she said, hey, who are you? I said, I'm the pastor of the Goshen Baptist Temple. Where is your church at? I'm trying to get away from her. Anybody married to that guy? I don't want anything to do with her either. Yeah, I know you're brave people, so yeah, yeah. no, I So I told her all that stuff on the way as I was running. She showed up at church on Sunday. I recognized her because you don't forget those things. Come on, you don't forget. And so she shows up. We had five adults got saved that morning, and she was one of them. And so I told them all, said, y'all all need to come back tonight and get baptized. And she, on the way out, said, preacher, can I bring my husband? Now, I'm going to tell you my first response is, hey, No. I was thinking he'd take one of those metal chairs we were sitting on and beat me with it. I had no idea what this crazy man would do. And so that night, I prayed all afternoon, by the way. You'll get right with God when these things happen. And so we are, uh, we are getting ready for church, and, and I'm praying and begging God to do something. And, and sure enough, he didn't come. I'm so glad. I've never been so glad somebody did not come to church. So that, after the evening service, she got baptized. And on the way out, she took me by the hand. You know how people take you by the hand, they won't turn you loose? She had me. And you know, unless you're going to just be ugly, somebody has you by the hand, they have you. And so she said to me, I would like for you to come out to my house and talk to my husband tomorrow night. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I was just about to say, no way, no how, no time. And my wife, my lovely, wonderful wife of almost 49 years, said to me, where is the spirit of Elijah? And I said, you know, Elijah's dead, right? (laughs) I found myself telling that woman I'll be out there at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. I was scared to death. And I went out there with fear and trembling. I got up to the door and I knocked on it. He's not here. Let's go. All of a sudden, he yanked that door open and goes, and there he is. And I thought, all right, here we go. He started crying and said, could you come in and tell me how to go to heaven? Woo! I went in there and led that crazy guy to Christ. He was my demon-possessed dude. 
And I listened. I got real brave after that, just like these apostles did. I got real brave. After we got up off their knees, I said, Now listen, if you really mean it, you'll be at church on Sunday. He said, I'll be there, preacher. Now I'm feeling tough. Come on. It's funny. Sunday morning, he walked in the back door, had a haircut, shaved, and in a suit. <laughs> I promise you, had not been with his wife, I wouldn't have known who he was. You know, we get pretty brave after Jesus does all the work. Amen. That's what these disciples are. And so now the Bible says that he cast these demons into these pigs, and these pigs run down in violent into the deep, and they're out there dead. Well, you know these guys that are responsible for the pigs, they got to go tell who owns them, Hey, this guy killed your pigs. You understand, that's not good. You start messing with people's livelihood. Right? And so they come out there to see what's going on. Now I want you to notice what happens when they get out there. Uh, it is such a wonderful thing to see what happened. Verse 34 says, When they that fed uh, them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and they found the man. Now I'm going to tell you, when Jesus saved somebody, you should be able to find the man. Come on. When you get saved, you ought to be easy to be found. I tell people all the time, man, preacher, I hadn't seen you in a long time. I'm right where I am every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, just come see me. Come on, I'm always there. And so I said, here's the man. And they wanted to understand, there he is. He's a man that found the man and of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, we had it up on the screen this morning in the slides. The Bible says, when you get saved, all things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. How many of you believe that? Hey, listen, when you get saved, life changes. If it doesn't change, you didn't get saved. You say, well, that's awful harsh. No, that's Bible. The Bible says you change. I'm telling you, my life changed so drastically when I got saved. I went back to work in one day, and I didn't walk in there and say one word. People say, what in the world happened to you? I said, what do you mean? Well, there's something different. Didn't take them long to find out what it was. I sat down at the first break and opened my Bible and started reading Man, I've had people say, well, what do you do with all your old friends? Just live for Jesus. They'll all go away. You don't have to worry about them at all. They'll leave you like a rat off a sinking ship. I said, I had 20 guys sitting with me at first break. I had five sitting with me at lunch. And this break in the afternoon, I was all by myself. Just simply because God changed my life. You see, God intends to change our life. Notice that he has a new position. Now that he's saved, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. You remember when you first got saved, how exciting it was? I, I'm telling you, <laughs> I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I had really long hair when I got saved. I destroyed all my wedding pictures just so nobody would see it. I know people think it's funny, but it really wasn't funny now that I look back on it. But you are what you are. And so I got saved. Nobody told me I needed to get a haircut, but I couldn't wait to get to church and hear what that preacher was going to yell at me about. I couldn't wait. I'd go to church and he'd get up there and he'd be yelling and screaming. And every time he preached, I had to go to the altar and say, God, I promise I won't do that anymore. Next time I go to church, I had to go to the altar and say, Lord, I promise I will do that. And my life changed tremendously. And I wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. I wanted to hear everything there was about him. Amen. How do you feel? Well, we got to go to church today. Oh, come on, folks. You get to hear about Jesus. 
you get to sit at his feet, sing praises to his holy name. What a great thing God established when he established a church. Say amen. It's a great thing. And he said, here this man is sitting at the feet of Jesus. He has a new position at the feet of Jesus Christ. And here's one everybody loves. He has a new modesty. He's now got clothes on. Amen. Now, I'm sorry. When you get saved, you ought to look like you got saved. Amen. I'm telling you, my wife and I was on vacation one time in, in Hawaii, in uh, Maui. And, and I was there on Sunday, which I would never do again, ever, ever. And we went to this church, a Baptist church, so they said. And I went to church with a, I didn't put a jacket on because it was hot, but I had a shirt and tie on. I was the only one in there had clothes, period. The music director get up in a wife beater shirt. Y'all know what those are? You watch all those cop shows, you'll know. The guy, you know, the ones that, anyway. He had on his wife beater shirt, a pair of shorts, no shoes, like other people we know. And uh, <laughs> we're just all jealous, honey, because we don't have ours off. And he got up there, he had more holes in him. In here, and in here, and in here, and in here, and all. If he drank water, he had to leak everywhere. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we got up and we rocked down for Jesus for about 45 minutes. I'm talking about Led Zeppelin kind of stuff. I'm talking about over-the-top craziness. And I decided there wasn't one person in there knew what it meant to be a Christian. The preacher got up and I thought, oh, good, he's got sandals on. He sat down on his chair. He had on shorts, but he did have a whole shirt on. I appreciated that. He had a book on his leg. I have no idea what it was because he never opened it. And he said, I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to, he didn't use the word preach. He said, I'm going to tell you today what Jesus' favorite commandment is. And then he said this, to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to jump up and say, read your Bible. The number one commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind and body. But hey, he's preaching, so I guess he can be wrong. So he got up and he said, now, we live on a very busy island. And I'm telling you the whole sermon. I'm going to preach this whole sermon to you. We live on a very busy island. And so if you see somebody that needs to get in the crowd, in, just back off and let him in and he'll see Jesus in your life. Y'all have a great day. Now we rocked out for 45 minutes and he preached for three. Or whatever you call that. Now I'm going to tell you something. When you get saved, things are supposed to change. If I wanted to go to a Led Zeppelin concert, I'd have stayed lost. If I wanted to go do that kind of stuff, I'd stayed lost. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'd have went into that church that morning and they'd been doing that kind of music, I'd have walked right back out the back door. I had all that I wanted. Amen, preacher. God said you have a new modesty. And you know, people get so tied up with this modesty stuff. Well, do I wear this or do I wear it? Listen, modesty is very simple. The Bible says if you want to know what to wear, here's the two things you need to know. Number one, it has to be modest. And not in your opinion, but in God's opinion. He said, number one, he's got to be modest. The Bible says that. Number two, it has to be appropriate. That's all you need to know. Amen. Well, do I wear this, preacher? I don't know what women wear. I don't care. Just be modest and appropriate. Is that too hard? I'm going home, so it's okay. 
Then I want you to notice in verse 35, he had a right mind. Well, I'm telling you that when you get saved, your mind changes. I remember before I got saved, I used to drive by those churches and say, look at those morons in there. Wasting their time in there, giving all their money to the preacher. I thought that was true, and now I wished it was. <laughs> I have a right mind now. I understand. I understand that we were created by a living and wonderful God. I understand that the Word of God is the very words of God. My mind was changed in every area of my life. This man's life was changed in every area of his life. And then notice in verse 38, he has a new desire. Look at verse 38. Now the man about whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. And I'm telling you, you have a new desire. You want to be with him. You want to be with him. I want to be with him every morning. I want to be with him every night. I want to be with him all day long. Just want to be with him. And then we have a special day we call the Lord's Day. And you get to really go and be with him, along with a whole bunch of other people that want to be with him. I love it. Church, I love church. Come on. Man, if you don't love church as much as I go to it, you're going to be a miserable person. I go to church a lot. And I love it. And I bring my lovely wife with me everywhere I go. And she loves it too. And we just love it together. Man, I, I'm, I'm so glad if you have a wife or a husband sitting next to you that loves the Lord like you do, you're such a blessed person. Yeah. Amen. My wife and I got saved on the exact same day. I got saved on one end of the altar and she got saved on the other. I did not know how wonderful that was till I got started. That was wonderful. And we've been serving the Lord together ever since. Now I want to get to the text this morning. No amen, huh? I've got a couple of minutes. Where's the clock? Oh, there it is. Never mind. I'm one minute late getting to the text. Here we go. He wanted to be with Jesus, and Jesus said no. Now listen, when I first got saved, I wanted to just go get in a commune and hang out with Christians and leave all those heathens out there and leave me alone. I just hang out with all the people who love the Lord, and we can shout and sing and praise. And God said, nope, that's not the way it has to go. So he said, no, you can't go with me. And I'm telling you, that must have broke this man's heart because he wanted to be with the Lord. I told the preacher when I first got saved, is there any chance that we can have church every day? He said, not unless you're going to preach. I didn't understand that at the time, but I understand it now. I go to youth camp, and I take all these kids out to camp, and we'd have 30 or 40 with us, and we'd have five or six or seven of them get saved, and we used to always go down by the lake after camp was over and have testimony time. I can't tell you how many times I had these kids as a group say, Preacher, do we really have to go home? Can't we just stay here? We're on holy ground. And I'm telling you, I understand that. I like that. I wish we could, but you can't. And the reason is God's got a job for you to do. Here's what he said to this man. Return to thy own house house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. I want you to know our responsibility is to go to our house. Mission starts at your house. And you need to go win your family to Jesus Christ. And you listen, don't you tell me. I've tried and they won't listen. Try again and again and again until they do listen. Your family ought to know who Jesus is. And I'm telling you, preaching to your family is one of the hardest things you can do. I don't know why. I guess maybe because they know you. Hey Amen. They know what a bummer you was. But I'm telling you, the first thing I did Sunday morning after I got saved is went to my brother's house and invited him to church. 
Second thing I did was went to his, my other brother's house and invited him to church. Third thing I did was went to my best friend's house and invited him to church. I made more visits two hours after I got saved than most people do their whole life. You know why? I'm a new person. We've been looking for peace and, and contentment in our life, all of our life, and we looked everywhere. And finally I found Jesus, and he saved me, and I wanted my family to know. So to make a long story short, I have four brothers. They all got saved. I have four sets of grandparents, or two sets of grandparents, all but my grandfather on my dad's side, or my grandmother on my dad's side, all of them got saved. I have aunts and uncles everywhere, and we led them to Christ. Amen. First message I ever preached in my life, my mom got saved. Hey, listen, you care about your family? You know where mission starts? At your house. You want to do something for missions? Hey, go get your family and win the Christ, especially if you have any rich relatives. We get lots of missions money. I remember my stepfather. My dad died when I was 16. And I remember my stepfather. Oh, we tried to win him. I mean, he had five stepsons and my mom, and we're all at him all the time. I'm telling you, he never sat down. Somebody wasn't nagging him about getting saved. Say, didn't he get tired of it? Yeah, he'd get up and leave. Next, when he come back, we did it smart. Nineteen years. And one day on friend day, he come down to the altar and got saved at my church. Nineteen years we worked and prayed. Bugged him to death. Drove him nuts. But it worked. Hey, listen. Start at your house. Then notice what he said. You say, when are we going to get to missions? Right now. And he said, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. He said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to publish it through the whole city. And we know through the whole world what Jesus has done for me. I want you to understand the world needs to know Jesus like you know Jesus. Say amen. Now listen, we know the book of Romans says that they can look at creation and know there's a God. But I'm telling you, you can look at a tree and kiss a tree and love the water and all that kind of stuff, and you're never going to know Jesus died on the cross for you unless somebody tells you. You're not going to figure this out by looking at the forest. Say amen. You find it very simply in Romans chapter 10 when he tells us how to get saved. He said in verse 14, How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And let me tell you how they're going to call on him who they have not believed. They're not. He said, uh, And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And they're not. And he said, And how shall they hear without a preacher? They're not. So what do we do? We send preachers. We send people to go tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. We send missionaries like this one that goes into Uganda and preaches the Word of God. People get saved. God changes their life. God calls them to preach. He trains them. And go start some more. That's how this works. Nobody in Uganda is going to get saved unless somebody tells them. Amen. Do you care? Well, what do I care? I don't know those people. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to love what He loves. And he loves people. It doesn't matter where they're from or what background they have. He loves people. I tell you, you ought to love people. You ought to go tell everybody what Jesus has done for you. And then you ought to dig in your pocket and give money so he can tell the people that you don't tell, who can't tell. Is that right or not? It's 
what God says. That's what this missions conference is all about. You getting alone with God in your prayer closet and saying, now God, show me what you want me to do. And here's what my prayer is, has been ever since I booked this meeting a year and a half ago. Here's what I've been praying for a year and a half. God, scare them to death with how much you're going to make them give. Amen, I like that. I'll tell you one more story. Well, I might tell more, but my wife and I, a few years, about five or six years ago, we do weird stuff, and I understand. I don't expect you to do what my wife and I do. We're crazy. But every year at missions conference, she put in her card, and I put in my card. And then that day at lunch, we'd put them together and most of the time have a heart attack. Well, about four or five, six years ago, she put in a big amount. God told me to put in a big amount. And when we got to lunch, we looked at that and said, whoa, that's a big amount. So what did you do, preacher? I said, told my wife, I said, I guess. We're going to have to quit eating out. You might have to start cooking. Now, I don't mean to be irreverent, but my wife, my wife is an excellent cook. She really is. Makes the best chicken fried steak in the whole planet. She just don't. When we remodeled our house up in Sherman, we moved in. I said, let's take the kitchen out and put a drive through in so I can just dump it out. And the reason is we're just too busy. And you know how hard it is to go to all that trouble to cook for two people? It's very bad. It's bad. So my wife said, what you want for dinner? You want me to cook? No, nah, let's don't do that. That takes too long. So it's not just her. We just don't do that. So I told her, I said, well, we're going to have to quit eating out and we're probably not going to have vacation this year. And she said, but hey, we're going to do it because God told us to do it. And then my wife said, we're on our way down to Ennis to see my brother. And she said, you know, we could just sell this stupid house. We don't need it. I could not believe she said that. Honest. She, I, she told me when we moved in there, you're not ever getting me out of this house. It was beautiful. I said, you mean that? And I called the real estate agent before she changed her mind. Now listen, real estate was so high, God enabled me to sell that house and buy an extremely smaller one, extremely smaller one, and pay cash for it. Now I have no house payment. Now that faith promise don't seem like it's anything. Are you hearing me? I hope God caused you to give a huge amount and then watch how God does it. He always does it. It's so exciting. Now folks, there's demon-possessed people all over this world and they need to have somebody tell them what Jesus has done for them. Jesus has been so good to me, I could spend all night up here telling you all the blessings God's given my wife and I. Even since we retired just six months ago, God's opened the windows of heaven and poured us out stuff you wouldn't even believe. I'm just telling you, ask God what He wants you to do and then write it on a card and watch Him do it. You'll never be so happy. Amen. You'll never be enjoyed. My wife has the most warped ideas about certain things. I remember one time back when my kids were small, we were barely eating and uh, trying to keep our kids in Christian school. And uh, one day my, we didn't have enough money to do something, and my wife said, I'll tell you how we can solve this problem. I'm, boy, I'm thinking my, my wife's pretty smart, and I thought, wow, she's going to give me this great idea. She said, let's up our faith promise. Say, how is that going to help? Then we're going to have less money. And she reminded me what I believe with all my heart. You can't outgive God. 
and he'll do something special for you. Say, what'd you do, preacher? I did what she said. And God met the need. And if you believe that, you're in the right spot to really do something great for the Lord. Because there's people all over this world need to have a brand new life and a brand new start for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your heads with me. Are you excited that you're saved? I hope I brought you back to remember what it was like when you first got saved. I remember when I first went back to work after I got saved, I had several of my so-called friends say stuff like this. Oh, this is just another fad. You'll get over it. Well, that was 1973, and I ain't got over it yet. And I don't intend to. But I tell you, the best thing that can happen to you or me is to have God bring your mind back to the way you felt the day you got saved. And remember how excited you was about telling other people. Remember how you couldn't wait to go tell somebody what Jesus had done for you. Where did that go? Have we got so familiar with the things of God we've forgotten? It's been my prayer today that this message will bring you back to that place. Heavenly Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God could bring us back to the place. And the feelings and the desire and the enthusiasm that we had when we first got saved. Lord, I've asked you hundreds of times since then to keep reminding me, help me stay where I'm supposed to be, excited, enthusiastic about the things of God, so I can tell others what great things you've done for me, that we can turn our city upside down for Christ. And Lord, you know we drove around this city last night just looking, thinking about all the souls that are in this city that need Jesus. God, help us as a church to get excited and go get somebody. And then I pray, Heavenly Father, this church to step out on faith ground and give more to missions than they've ever given before because they love you more than they ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you on behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.